Hey there, Dunker Punks. Thank you so much for tuning in for another episode of the Dunker Punks podcast. I'm Emma Bukowski Eldred, one of your hosts. Let's start things off with a question What do you consider to be some of the building blocks of peace? Think about that while we listen to our theme music from Jacob Krauss. I don't want to be rich, don't want to be popular, don't want to be selfish, no. I don't want to be a goat, don't want to be ignorant, don't want to be blindfolded, I just want to be countercultural. be violent, don't want to have a vendetta, don't want to be vengeful, no. I don't want to be a soldier, don't want to be militaristic, don't want to help that cycle, I just want to be a countercultural pacifist. I don't want to be a racist, don't want to be a capitalist, don't want to be sexist, no. I don't want to pass judgment, don't want to hold grudges, don't want to be hateful, I just want to be a countercultural, pacifistic, unconditional lover. I don't want to shop at Walmart, don't want to grow Monsanto, don't want to drink Coca-Cola, no. I don't want to burn petrol, don't want to eat perfect fruit, don't want to feel guilty, I just want to be a countercultural, pacifistic, unconditionally loving organic gardener. I want to be authentic, I want to be radical, I want to be optimistic, honest, I want to be humble, I want to be progressive, I want to be open, I'm inspiration, I want to be like John Wesley, or Sarah Major, or Anna Mao, I want to be like Martin Luther, or Martin Luther King Jr., like Santa Claus, Johnny Appleseed, Dirk Valim, or Gandhi, Alexander Mack, John Klein, George Fox, or Jesus Christ, but mostly, I just want to be me. Today, we're hearing from Tori Bateman. Tori works through Brethren Volunteer Service in the Church of the Brethren's Office of Peacebuilding and Policy in Washington, D.C. Tori does a lot of important work around advocating for peacebuilding and working with partners in churches, governments, and around the world to build peace and promote justice. Tori sits down with David Nianzima, a peacebuilder in Burundi who Tori met while participating in a work camp there. In their interview, they discussed David's work to build peace by promoting dialogue, addressing trauma, and meeting basic human needs. Let's hear more from Tori and David about peace building in Burundi. Hey, Dunkerpunks. This is Tori from the Office of Peace Building and Policy. This past June, I traveled to Burundi with the Church of the Brethren Young Adult Work Camp. I had so many cool experiences while there, eating head-sized avocados and spotting the largest shooting star I'd ever seen. But one of the most memorable experiences by far was getting to know Burundian colleagues like David Nianzima. David, who directs the THARS organization, sat down with me to discuss peacebuilding in Burundi, and he started out by telling me a bit about the country and its history. Burundi is located in uh, Central Africa, even though 
now is part of what is known as the East African community, but it's strategically and geographically located between three countries. Rwanda is on the north, Tanzania is on the east, and the Democratic Republic of Congo is on the west. It's a small country, about 11 million people, and it got its independence from Belgium in 1962. So before the Belgians took over, it used to be the German colony as such. But then, of course, with the changes in politics, the country uh, got that independence from Belgium. People in Burundi are about, let me say about, because uh, most people might know our people with the history of violence and wars, but it's because of two ethnic groups that have not been able to live peacefully with one another, the Hutus and the Tutsis. But we also have another people's group called the Twa, which is a very small population. But we also have uh, people from outside, like uh, Indians or Arabs in the country, as well as a few people working with the different organizations and missions, and also missionaries. We speak one language, which is called Kirundi. Everybody speaks one language, because as you can imagine, a very small country, maybe the side of Maryland, with uh, 11 people, it's easy to speak one another. For example, in Bujumbura, which is the capital for Burundi, everybody says that it's a city where everybody knows everybody else. So that's a brief overview of our country. So you mentioned the violence that occurred. Um, there was violence in 1993, is mm-hmm. that correct? Mm-hmm. Most recent ethnic violence. SARS is a peace-building organization that came out about as a result of that. That's true. Um, could you tell me a little bit about your theory of you know, peace-building and how it relates to that violence? Mm-hmm. Well, um, my theory got built up because of the experience that I've gone through with the violence in my country. It's not been easy for me to come up with the concept of what I think is my theory of peacemaking. But uh, on the other hand, being a Christian, I have also that biblical basis of peace, uh, starting, of course, from the fact that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And uh, from there, I came to understand that uh, peace starts with God, because God seeks us and reveals himself to us and wants to establish relationships with us. But in my opinion, the relationship with, with God does not stop there. It gives me peace, of course, in my heart, but it has to also extend to my neighbor or the community, and as well as the, 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 the nature. But unfortunately, here in our country, we can say that we really don't know peace that much, because our country has had violence as early as 1965. So many adults like me, we talk about peace, they can talk about um, maybe um, small periods where there was no war and they say, oh, that was peace. As you can imagine, after the independence in 1962, there was immediately another coup because at that time we had a king and the king was overthrown by a military man who established what he called the Republic. 
and he ruled 10 years. And among those 10 years, there was another violence. And this time, it was not really a violence. It was a targeted uh, massacre of Hutus. It's a long, sto long, long, long story. But many people died in 72, and people fled into uh, other countries like Tanzania, Rwanda, Kenya, Uganda. And after 10 years, another military man overthrew him and established another military uh, dictatorship. And even uh, during that time, there were, there were also you know, a series of violence and, and killings. So let me talk about 1993, because that's the most recent grave and big and long violence that took place in the country, with uh, both Hutus and Tutsis being uh, victims. It all started with the death of, of a president who got assassinated. And this is a Hutu president who had won the elections. And for the first time in the history of Burundi, as a Hutu, he became a president. Of course, given the past history of leadership with the presidents all being Tutsis, some extremists did not like a Hutu to become a president. And so he got assassinated. But the war broke out mostly really because the Hutus in the villages said enough is enough and they said we cannot stand it anymore and so there was this open war between the Hutus and, and Tutsis and so for us in the place where I was working I had set up a pastoral training school uh, which also got into that mess. Uh, in fact eight out of eleven students got assassinated and that's, from that time really I started to search and seek God's guidance. I, I went also through my own trauma but I put in, into question uh, my theory of peace. We are preaching the gospel, we are talking about the Prince of Peace and we know he is alive, we know this is a reality, he doesn't change but how come we are not experiencing that, that, that peace in our country and uh, a country that calls itself a Christian country and you may see also in the statistics that uh, in Burundi uh, people talk about uh, up to 90% being a Christian country but then you look at what has happened you, you say, oh no, why should people kill each other if at all they call themselves Christians anyway, for me uh, in 1993 I went into a journey out of my trauma because the students who got killed were killed in front of my eyes and I also survived. But I later on began to understand the issues related to trauma, that the, the hurts, the wounds inside us, inside the population, these things that are not even talked about, the suspicions caused by hatred, and the lack of even talking about what has happened was a big issue which we thought should be addressed. And so I begin to understand that once we address the issues of trauma, then we'll be establishing lasting peace in our country. And to cut the story short, I felt that God was calling me to establish a, a trauma healing ministry in the country, which basically promoted safe places where people could come and tell their stories and get it out so that whatever is rotting in people's minds or hearts will be brought to the open and brought to the cross 
for true healing. And of course, we are using different methods and cures. But in brief, we are doing work that address the, the trauma as a way to establish lasting peace in the country and enhance the, the trauma healing and reconciliation services in Burundi. Great. So what kind of programs does THARS run specifically? I know you guys have a lot going on here. Yeah, we have uh, several programs, but they're all related to mental health. For example, the program which we call the Healing of Memories is a program that is geared to dealing with the past. We also have a program called uh, the Transitional Justice. That also is in the area of dealing with the past, where people do not just bury what has happened or, or pretend they are going to forget, but they say, yes, we have to remember, we have to address the issues that have divided us so that they will not divide us again. We also have a program called Self-Help Group. It's a program that uh, we think complements the healing process because through self-help, we think that uh, the person who has been uh, wounded or rejected, like for example women who have been raped, once they go into the program and start to raise up their self-esteem, then they will, they will be reintegrated and they will, they, will, they will go on with life. And so with a self-help uh, group initiative, people go into uh, small groups of 20 and they help each other by putting money together and giving it to the most needy. We also feel that um, we need to raise up strong gener generation. We are focusing on, on the youth in most cases because we think that young people have to grow up understanding these issues and preparing their, their future so that they don't have to go through uh, the violence that we have gone through uh, as adults. We are also helping uh, these two people, the marginalized people, because their self-esteem has been uh, put down completely for, for many years to the point that they are so needy and poor and they don't go to school. And so we are helping them to change their mentality so that they may know that uh, they can uh, have a different future. They can put uh, their lives forward and move ahead knowing that they can uh, they don't need to, to, to live like uh, their ancestors lived. In other words, we are empowering people in all kinds of programs, including uh, food security, like um, farming God's way. But we are into what we call the holistic approach to the promotion of healing and, and, and quote, with the involvement of the community. So, you know, you mentioned Farming God's Way. Mm. I think there's a little bit of Church of the Brethren involvement in that project, if Ye I understood correctly. Yes, yes. Uh, the Church of the Brethren has been supporting this program and is making a great impact. In fact, the victims of the violence that we have experienced in the country, when they go into Farming God's Way and start to harvest big, or, yeah, big harvest, for us it's an indicator that they are healing. Uh, because they started to to see the future. Usually we found that uh, people are traumatized, they don't see the future. Their life is, is, is today. But uh, of course when you plant and wait for the fruit or for the harvest, it's like you are looking to your future. So yeah, we, we are so privileged to, to be partners with the Church of the Brethren on this project because it's really making a big 
impact. You can imagine, for example, Adelaide who's with us, you can talk to her. Uh, she would testify, for example, how she, the harvest before she joined the program was like four kilos of, uh, you know, like you plant one kilo, you, you harvest four kilos or something small like that. And then after using the, the skills that we have shared with, with the population and the community, now she goes to more than 10, 18 kilos or more. I don't have the, the statistics exactly of how much has been har harvesting, but it's a program that is very, very much helping in many ways. The first way is raise up their self-esteem, then, uh, you know, secure, you know, food for the family. And securing food, there's another program that actually I just walked past on my way down here um, where you're feeding school children. Yes, the, the school children that we're feeding are the Twa children. These Twa children, they don't want to go to school because they think that while in school, their parents would cook meals and eat without them. And so they drop out of schools and then um, stay at home. But with this program, which again is supported by the Church of the Brethren, Jay Whitmer came and was moved and graciously accepted to support this, this program. So we feed them a meal a day and in that way they don't drop out of school. And, and as a result also, they are doing so well in class because they are not hungry. Maybe that's the only meal they eat for a day. And so you can imagine how that makes a big difference for them. So how can we, as the American church, relate to conflict or post-conflict areas like Burundi? You know, as a peace church, we're very interested in assisting in any way we can with long-term stability and humanitarian aid. What is a helpful and healthy way for the American church to relate to situations like that? Actually, I would say that what you've just done is tremendous. The fact that you've come to us for this work camp. And this is a cross-cultural work camp because you see you have partners also, national partners, as we do the, the, the camp. So this is very much helping uh, raise up the self-esteem. And you are giving us a testimony. You show love because we don't have love in this country. As I told you, with the war situations, there are a lot of hatred and suspicion, and people don't collaborate as much because they, they they don't have that good relationships. So, like this group of viewers that has just come, for us, it's a big, big impact. It's making a big impact to us because it's telling us that there's, there's love, love, love is there. We have, we have also been saying, I'm sure Americans are giving money for these programs that you are supporting here. It, it's like uh, we are all partners in the whole thing. It's like uh, you are raising up our self-esteem and sharing and telling us that we are into this all together as human beings, as God's people. In fact, we have even a saying in Burundi that says that uh, we are who we are because of others. And uh, I believe that uh, this relationship, the partnership, the collaboration is very, very important for us Burundians as, as we go through um, the healing process that, that has already started. As you, you can tell, it's a process. So we grow into it, and maybe our children will, will not have to go through the same situation. But I like the idea of collaboration and partnership and support with one another. I hope we can also support you, <laughs> maybe as we relate to you, as we share with you the stories. 
I, I think uh, we are all into this together. And of course, we pray for one another. And this is also very important for us as Christians. And who knows? We really want to see a Church of the Brethren established in the country. I like the faith practice of the Church. I like uh, the upside-down Kingdom of God, which I think could make a great impact once it's preached and shared with, uh, with my people. Yeah, thank you so much again for having us here. I think I can probably speak for most of the people here when I say that it has been a blessing to get to know you and your staff and your family and work alongside you as you guys continue the peace building work in your country. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for everything. Thank you, Tori. Thank you. Wow, there was so much to love about that interview. I am so grateful to both Tori and David for sitting down to talk about building peace, meeting human needs, and tackling trauma. For one thing, I think we've heard a lot related to that question I asked at the very beginning of our show. From David's comment about how peace starts with God, to his point that it has to extend from our own hearts to our neighbors and communities, I think we've all seen some of the building blocks for peace. I was particularly moved by how carefully David sought to acknowledge the special role that helping people overcome trauma has in building peace. It's not always easy to look past hateful and uncomfortable expressions of violence to see how often pain and bitterness and trauma, what David called the rot of trauma on our hearts and our minds, helps explain why people become hateful and violent. How powerful, but also how difficult, it is to remember that peace building can be a ministry of healing for those who do violence in addition to those who are affected by it. I don't often think about building self-esteem as a building block of peace, but I'm so grateful that David called it out with such care and such wisdom. Lately, the Office of Peacebuilding and Policy has been talking a lot about that remarkable word in its title, peacebuilding. They've remarked that that word isn't yet recognized as its own real word in the English language. In fact, when I'm typing it in my notes now, I see that familiar red squiggle under it every time. It's easy for me to know how many times I've said that word, five times now, because it stands out on my page as the only word that my word processor says does not belong. How troubling, and also how telling, that the word peacebuilding is foreign to our ears, yet the word warmongering doesn't sound out of place at all. I hope that this episode has helped you think about the building blocks of peace and what we can all do to normalize peacebuilding in our society. Thank you so much for listening. The building blocks of the Dunker Punks podcast are our team of more than a dozen contributors from around the United States. This episode was edited by Kevin Schatz, and our theme music is by Jacob Krauss. Our executive producer is Suzanne Lay. My name is Emmett Wachowski Eldred, and I'm one of your hosts. However, there is one person missing from our credits, and that is you. We're teaming up with On Earth Peace to offer a paid internship helping produce the podcast grow our audience, and contribute content. Email us at dpp at arlingtoncob.org if you're interested. As always, you can learn more about us at dunkerpunks.com or by visiting arlingtoncob.org dpp. You can find and like us on social media at dunkerpunkspod. To get involved or to donate, contact us at dpp at arlingtoncob.org. Thank you so much for listening. Keep being awesome. I just want to be me.